Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world. Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number six, Live, Light, and Glory. This is part of the Resurrection Realities series. And, you know, I don't even know if I'm able to convey to you all of the reasons this is such a, an important series. But let me say this. I want to respond to a comment that somebody posted the other day on one of my messages, I think, from last week. And I'm not, I'm not being critical, so please don't take this. I just want to answer this. I think sometimes, I think sometimes questions need to be answered. But, but somebody said, it just seems like to me that with all this going on in the world and as crazy as everything is, that the person was saying that I should be putting more emphasis on, uh, on what's happened in the world. Now, I appreciate that. Appreciate that insight. Uh, but let me say this. For 20 years, I have been telling people what's coming. And uh, pretty much right down to the letter, everything that I've been saying for the last 20 years is coming to pass. It's coming past the way that's coming to pass. And during that time, of course, you know, the most important book I wrote during that time may have been Apocalypse. And the, the, in the book, The Apocalypse, the key factor in that book was learning to be an overcomer. Now, let me say this. As these things began to evolve in our nation and in the world, uh, it's so daunting for people to look around every day and see what's going on. And people are so uh, uh, focused on what's going wrong that uh, people didn't use that 20 years of me providing a warning to get ready to do the things to learn to become an overcomer. So when we reach this stage of the game where the world is right now, people uh, get up, they turn on their televisions, they see the news, they look at their paycheck, they look at their bank account, they look at the, at the filth that's going on in our schools, and they, and, they, and they know what's going on. So the real truth is I don't, I don't really need to focus on that. And one of the great mistakes that ministers often make is, is getting off track on, on the Word of God and focusing on current events. So, so I just want you to understand this. This series right now, and the series that, that I am going to be sharing with you over the, over the next few months, these are series about solutions. And the problem is everyone's becoming vexed by the problem, and they, they, they're not doing anything to learn how to be an overcomer. And you learn how to be an overcomer by focusing on the solutions, not by focusing in on the problem. So I just want you to know, just in case anybody's wondering, you've always got the right to ask. And, I, you know, it doesn't make me mad if somebody asks. But I want you to know something. I'm giving you tools and resources that if you will put them into practice, uh, you will rise above what's going on out in the world. You will learn to be an overcomer. You will learn to conquer and this principle of resurrection reality, there's so many, so many factors about the resurrection that we need to be looking at right now, because this is part of what, number one, helps us to be an overcomer, helps us to conquer any, uh, anything that is, that is coming against us. So today we're going to be talking about life, light, and the glory. And trust me, 
Uh, this is an important message. And I'm not going to explain all the reasons that it's important in light of what's going on in the world. I'm just going to preach it. And hopefully you will, you will sort out the application of this. And I'll try to give you as much application as is. Now, I want you to understand something. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this. I don't really think it, by and large that the modern church understands the whole concept of, of, uh, of light and darkness. And I'm not saying that there's one static definition. These are, these, these are metaphoric concepts that embody so much truth that there, there are many ways to talk about life and life. But I want you to understand life is a continuum. Death is a continuum. And, uh, you know, we tend to be linear cause and effect thinkers. Therefore, we really don't understand how to live in the continuum. We don't really don't understand how these things work. Now, Jesus in Matthew 5 through 7, and really all through the Bible, you have the concept of a continuum. And I'm, I've talked about this so many times, but I'm, in, in this message, I'm just going to put this out here again. So in, in a continuum, in a, well, let me say this, in a linear cause and effect mode, uh, let's say that you're, you're having temptation to a particular problem. And so maybe you are not actually totally giving into that problem so that that particular sin is manifesting in your behavior, but you are entertaining it. Now, according to Jesus, once you begin to entertain something, it has already taken on a life of its own inside you. So, uh, you know, one, one of the examples that Jesus uses when he talks about uh, the continuum is in the area of immorality or adultery. And so Jesus ends up explaining that the problem doesn't begin when you commit adultery. The problem begins in your imagination. The problem begins when imagination starts, really turns into meditation, if you will. And so, so really adultery starts in your heart. And so it's not a matter of, okay, I'm here, but I'll never go here. That's linear thinking. I'm here, and, but I'm not going to let it go this far. And then you get over here, and I, I'm not going to let it go this far. And so, so what you realize along the lines of a continuum is that it's not a matter of letting it go, how far you let it go. It's a matter of the fact that you let it be alive in you, and that once it becomes alive in you at some point in time, if you're ever in the right circumstances, is going to manifest as a physical act. And so it's already hurting you. It's already affecting you negatively when it's in the imagination stage. And uh, uh, it's not that you get more drawn into the sin. It's just that different environments create different opportunities. You know, the, the, the thing that I always use when teaching about the continuum is I always use the model of H2O. You know, when I go into a church and do a meeting, I did this, I've done this for decades. Many of you have been in services where I've done this. I would walk in and say, okay, okay, what's H2O? And everybody's like, oh, 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 I know, I know, ask me, ask me, ask me. Well, you know, you say, okay, what's H2O? And they'll say, well, water. And it's like, well, sometimes. Like, what do you mean sometimes? H2O is always water. No, it's not. I mean, it, it is always water, but it is water that exists in different states. If you've got, if you've got uh, water heated to a certain temperature, H2O becomes steam. No, still H2O, but it becomes steam. If, if you 
if you let that cool off a little bit, then H2O could, let's say, let's say it could be snow. That was H2O, and it's taken on a little bit more of a material form. It's still soft and pliable to some degree. If, you, if, if, if the temperature changes more, then that H2O can become, it can become sleet. Uh, if, that, if temperature changes more, that H2O can eventually uh, become ice. And so when you look at this continuum, all along the lines of the continuum, it's always H2O. What changes? Well, what changes is the environment. And it's just like murder. It's just like anything. If you let something get become alive in your heart, then all that's got to change for you to physically commit the action is for the environment to support it and provide, provide the opportunity. But the real truth is the murder is already in your heart. Truth is, the adultery is already in your heart. The truth is, you know, all of these other things are in your heart, even though they haven't, you haven't had the environment to produce an action. But what happens once something gets into our heart, the problem is it starts affecting us to some degree as if we actually have committed the action. Now, this is, this is like, this, this helps you understand what, what happens um, in the light and in darkness. And I thought, you know, I've already talked about this in the series. I think I've already talked about it in the, in, in the videos. The problem is, is that darkness is not going from complete light to complete darkness and not being able to see. What happens is when the light is not completely bright, then it becomes darker. And as it becomes, you know, as the light becomes duller, as the light becomes darker, then the problem is it begins to alter how we can perceive something, how, how we, we can uh, see the path that we walk and how we can see what reality is, how we can see what truth is. So the Bible says that of God, it says, it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In other words, uh, the book of James in the original language kind of says something like this. It says, if God, if God were standing in perfect light, he would never move enough from being a good God to where he would even cast a shadow. And so it says, so don't ever say that when you're tempted, that you're tempted of God. And that word tempted means tempted, tested, tried, scrutinized, made to strive. So don't ever say that when you're going through something that God, is causing you to be tempted, tested, tried, uh, scrutinized, or made to strive because God is light and there is no darkness. And yet this is a doctrine. This is a major doctrine of the church today is that God's always testing you. God's always trying you. But let me say this. The only test that the Bible clearly shows that God brings to us is the test of faith. Now, the test of faith is not where God puts you in difficult situations to see, because if he did, then he's got darkness in it, because pain, suffering, uh, hardships, striving, stress, all of that is, is within the continuum of darkness, which eventually gets into actions uh, uh, that are sinful actions, which gets into the way it corrupts your life and your morals, your values, your health, and then eventually you die, and the ultimate of darkness is is death. So God never does anything. Never. So if, if we are going to make this journey, if we're going to walk through the hardships of life, if we're going to walk through the challenges of life, I'm just telling you this, you have to start from a place that says God is good. 
God is only good because he is light and there is no darkness in him. There is no death in him. And so, you know, I understand you got a lot of questions about it because of what religion has told you about God for, you know, for actually for the last uh, few thousand years. And you also have questions because of things that happen in the Bible that you don't understand really what the Bible is saying about some things that seem pretty brutal. And so anyhow, I can't go in, into that today because this isn't time for it. But I'm telling you this, the person who will be an overcomer in all situations is a person that has to believe that God is good and only good. God is light. There's no darkness in him. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, he never moves enough and under perfect light to even cast the slightest shadow. Now, when we talk about light, we understand that there is this, there is this connection between light and life. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we actually reverse, if you will, the roles or the functions of light and life. And because we reverse those, it actually, uh, our pursuit of light, the way we pursue light, actually eventually causes us to end up in darkness. And you know, like the Bible says, if the light that's in you is darkness, oh, how great is that darkness. Now, you know, for a few thousand years, uh, religion perverted everything that we believed about God. You know, you hear people say, you know, the Old Testament, God was uh, legalistic and he was hard and he was judgmental and everything he did was fear-based. I got to tell you, not one word of that is true. And any person that believes that, is, number one, they're an incredibly weak and poor theologian. But more than that, they are assassinating the character of God because God doesn't change. You know, many people think, you know, that God got saved from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now he's all nice. Let me tell you something, God doesn't change. He has never changed. If he ever changes, he can't be God. And so God is uh, exactly as he has always been. His love is always at the core of his character. Every single thing that he does, he does really for the life of the people and the benefit of the people who want to have a relationship with him. And let me tell you, God can't, God doesn't violate your will. That's another big religious lie is that God makes people do things and that everything that happens, God makes it happen or lets it happen or that sort of thing. No, absolutely none of that can be true because, uh, because God, you know, God's word, everything that he tells us is, is uh, and, and the law and the commandments is always about how to treat one another. So, you know, people say, well, you know, the law is binding. It's so bad. Well, oh, so, so you say it would be a good thing. Uh, to commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, that's, that's you know, what the law says. Or it'd be a good thing to borrow money and never pay. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Well, then what are you saying? Well, the real truth is when you, when you challenge people with these kinds of questions, they don't know what they're saying. They don't understand it. They don't understand the contradictions. And they also don't understand that when they attack the law and the commandments, actually uh, attack God. Now, I'm not a legalist. I'm not trying to get us back under the law. We had an old covenant. But in, in the old covenant, it was clear, it was made clear that obeying the commandments could not make you righteous. In the new covenant, what we have the opportunity to do is to see and, and to discover that everything in the law and the commandments was all about how to treat each other fairly, 
justly, honestly, in love and in kindness. And that's, that's what it's all about. It was never about turning it into a way to earn anything, anything from God. So religion, and just stop and think about this, from, you know, from, from Adam until Jesus, there was never a human being who actually observed God and actually understood why God did what he did. And so Jesus, who was what we call the second part of the Trinity, Jesus was God in the sense that he was one with God and God's character, God's nature. And there was no difference as far as, like I said, character, nature, love, kindness. And there was no difference between God and Jesus. And so Jesus was the first person, and he became a man, so that made him a person. He was the first person on the face of the earth that ever was qualified to say, uh, take a scripture and say, let me tell you what, what that really meant. Let me show you what that really should have looked like in your life. In other words, religion had taken the word of God and the word of God uh, could have been light. It could have been uh, the word of God could have been light on our path to show us how to walk in love, to show us how to walk in kindness, to actually even more than that, to show us what we have in God. And, and, and the word of God showed us who God was, which means it becomes a light, which, uh, which reveals or manifests the character and the nature of God. Man, our faith abounds when we know who God is because faith works by love. You find out God's a loving God. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to bring pain and suffering into your life. Guess what? You trust him. That's all faith is, is just trust. We've turned it into some religious something. I don't, I don't know what. So when part of one, one of the many things that Jesus came to planet Earth to accomplish was to reveal to us the true intentions of God, to reveal to us actually uh, what God's word really meant if it was applied from God's intention, which is always, is always love. That's why John 1.14 says, and the word, talking about the Logos, talking about Jesus, who Jesus is the logic, he's the wisdom, he's the character, he's the nature of God. In other words, he is God, and the Logos is, is the manifestation of God in every way that you could see or understand God. So it says the word became flesh, in other words, became a human being and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Now, remember, the word glory comes from the Greek word doxa, which, which uh, is a really, really incredible word, has many, many dimensions of meaning. But when it comes down to the core of understanding or perceiving the glory of God, uh, all of these things about the greatness and the splendor and the brightness and the majesty, and da, 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 all of these things that are kind of encapsulated within the glory of God, all of these things actually uh, point to three basic concepts, the view, the opinion, and the reality of God. So glory, which is, which is manifest to some degree, if you will, through the light of God. In other words, the light shines onto something and suddenly you can see it clearly. You can understand it for what it is. So, so really God's view of everything 
is revealed through Jesus, how God looks at mankind, how God looks at anything. Uh, so at God's opinion. So all the opinions that Jesus ever expressed were the exact opinions of God. And if you ever want to know how God thinks, the way we are, where we're supposed to go to determine uh, how God thinks is we're supposed to go to the Gospels, and we are supposed to look at the life and the ministry and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get to see what the Word of God looks like in the flesh. We get to see what it looks like in application. Yeah, I'll never forget back, oh, man, it's been over 20 years ago, maybe long, even longer than that, probably actually closer to 30 years ago. I'm sitting in a meeting because back in those days, I used to do a lot of meetings with, with some of the biggest names in America. And I'm sitting in a meeting and, uh, man, there's a guy speaking that I love and, I'm, and, you know, I value. And I didn't lose value that because of this thing that he taught. But it, it, it challenged me. I had, you know, God made me open my eyes to something. And so he was saying, you know, in the new covenant, this is new covenant. So we really need to get into the epistles and we need to read the epistles. And, and that's where we need to go. And uh, man, I'm right. I'm taking notes. And all of a sudden, you know, God speaks to me and says, no, that's, that's not what I said. That's not what I ever said to you. And, you know, I, I had to go pray this through. I started realizing, wait a minute, you know, the, the epistles are about, about application, just like what we call the law uh, uh, and, and the commandments is about application. And the problem is, if you take anything that is about application and you do not apply it from the intention of the person that spoke it, then you will apply it the way you want to. You will make it look like what you want it to look like. At the end of the day, even though you may be putting into practice the very thing that that word says, if you are not doing it from the true motive and intention of the person who spoke it, then it's not true anymore. It's not light anymore. Now, the light that that's in us becomes darkness because we are not operating from the motive that God spoke those words. And uh, matter of fact, it said in that meeting that day, I mean, I'm I mean, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, said, if you put all of your attention in the epistles, you'll never see me as I am. And I'm telling you, that was, that, was, that was pretty shocking for me, particularly because I was listening to somebody I deeply respected, deeply valued, honored their ministry, their teaching had been a blessing and a help to me. And, you know, I'm not saying I cut that person off afterwards. I'm just saying that, that I realized that if you stay out of the Gospels too long, you, you forget what Jesus looks like. You forget what God's motives were. Uh, you forget how people are supposed to be treated. You forget how to apply. It doesn't matter if you're trying to apply Old Testament law and commandments or you're trying to apply New Testament teaching of the apostles. You will eventually move away uh, from the intention of God, if in fact you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, and and Jesus is love, Jesus revealed that He revealed what it looks like when you apply the Word of God in love, and so we rarely apply the Word of God from the perspective uh, that Jesus reveals, and that's shocking because this is, is called Christianity which means this is supposed to be about Christ. This is a, he is supposed to be the focal point. He is supposed to be the center. 
we're supposed to be able to always look at him and, and make sure that we are on track, that we're understanding the application of the word of God. We're understanding what God intended when, when he said certain things. So Jesus became a flesh and dwelt among us. And so that we could behold the view, the opinion, the reality of God. We could, we could, we could behold the motive and the intention of God. And it says, so, uh, you know, he's the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Now, we're not going to get as far in this, in this message as I would like for us to today, but we're going to get far enough. You start praying about it. And by the time we come around the next message, you're going, your, your, your life is going to ex- have an explosion of light, uh, of life and glory. Now, it goes on to say in, in John, the first chapter, the fourth verse, it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not overcome it, you know, you know, couldn't, could not defeat it. Now we have this tendency, almost everyone I know, when they quote this verse, they reverse the letters in him was, uh, the light and the light was the life of man or in him was the life and the, and, but they'll always reverse light produces life. Well, light doesn't produce life. Light opens our eyes to and reveals to us the way to the Father. See, Jesus is, he is the light, just like we are supposed to be the light. We are supposed to live a life right now that is like shining the light on God and the way we treat people. Suddenly they can see how God treats people. The way, you know, everything that we do should be something that shines a light on, on to God that says, oh man, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't even know God was, was like this. I'll tell you, that's, that's when you got a powerful witness. That's when you got a powerful ministry. That's when you got a powerful life is when we harmonize our life with Jesus himself. And by the way, that is, that is the concept of righteousness. When you harmonize our life with Jesus then suddenly our life, our life becomes a light. And that light, the life, people don't get the life from us. People get the life from him. So, so I'm, I'm going to wrap this up real quick because I'm about out of time, but I promise you this is a roadmap into something that's going to be so incredible. So here is the deal. The light doesn't produce life. It should point us to the one who is the source of life. But sadly, it's, it's amazing people don't, people don't have, as a whole, don't really have good prayer lives, uh, don't read the Bible for themselves, don't spend much time in, in communion or koinonia with Christ. Uh, uh, and so, so, you know, we're kind of sitting in the darkness. But it is amazing for, for so many of us, we have gone through, all of us have probably gone through times in our life where the Bible, which should have been a light that pointed us to Jesus and we, and, and ultimately to God, the father, and, and, it, and it becomes a, it becomes a substitute for God instead of a light that shines on the path to come to God, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much of the word you memorize. It doesn't matter how much of the word you can quote until that word leads you. It becomes light that leads you to connect with Jesus himself and in him experience the life. And, and the frustration and the failure of so many people who are so serious about God and who are dedicating their life, many times they have dedicated their life 
to the light, not to the life, not to the life giver. And I want to show you, and you, you we'll get into it next week, how you get into connecting to the life giver, how you get into using the word to move you into the life giver, which ultimately manifest as the glory of God in you. Listen, be sure and share this with people. Be sure and check out the audio series that supports this. It'll help you. It'll be a blessing and strength to you. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.